I get people all the time saying like, you do a lot. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to do more. <laughs> My buddy Jason from Bowhunter Box Club, he was the, he's the reason the podcast is alive. Like he is the sole reason. Mine has a whistle, a compass, and a thermometer all in one. You can do like, I don't know, yoga moves. Like do like 90 degree shifts and that bow is not going to fall off. I've stepped on water moccasins. I've stepped on rattlesnakes. Me and snakes, I don't know, like if we have some sort of destiny together. One of my favorite things to look at is old pictures, old hunting pictures. I just, I love it. You won't find those guys wearing anything but plaid and jeans. That's one thing that people mistake me for is like, oh, you're the hunting product guru. You know everything about everything. You're a guru. No, 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 no. None of us know everything about everything. The biggest lesson I've learned is um, to focus on bringing value to others. Hey guys, this is Justin Wagner from Hunting Product Guru, and you are listening to Living Country in the City, episode 48. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in for episode 48 of Living Country in the City. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So now, bright and early with me today, I've got Justin Wegner of Hunting Product Guru. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about chasing your passions, as well as some about his essential gear for chasing Texas whitetails. So, Justin, thanks for hopping on the show with me this morning. Oh, Sam, thanks so much. This is uh, definitely early for me. I know it's going to be. It's early for you, man. So we, uh, <laughs> you got the uh, mountain knots all rocking, and I've got two cups of coffee here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you know whoever said podcasting wasn't hard uh, hard work uh, has never done it. Obviously, it's definitely uh, there. There are inconvenience of time zones and times that happen. So yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm. I'm feeling pretty uh fortunate to be here no absolutely well you know that's the benefit of doing what you love it's never uh there's never too much work to to do something that you're passionate about so that passion never dies <laughs> uh, so why don't you tell me a little bit uh just about yourself how you got your introduction into hunting and got your start in the outdoors so the 
how I got started in the outdoors was uh, I, I wasn't even aware of it. Uh, my my dad told me he always likes to tell the story, and I'm hats off to him for doing it because I I didn't do it with my two kids, but um, he got me into hunting and he started taking me when I was six months old. So still in a uh, still in a car seat, still running through diapers like crazy. Uh, and he took me to the deer blind. Um, and he loves telling that story. And I, you know, honestly, if I took my kids at six months old, I'd kind of want to tout that badge a little bit too. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, hats off to him for doing that. But I started actually really getting started into hunting, um, and actually taking and harvesting my own animals around seven or eight years old. I remember one of the first trips I got to go on with my dad he, um, he covered my ears because I always loved talking about hunting, but whenever he was with his buddy talking about going hunting the next day, he covered my ears and he didn't know that, that I could still hear. <laughs> so I didn't say anything, but he's like, Hey, do you think we could let him go with us this trip? And the guy was like, yeah, dude, the guy filmed, um, uh, for a TV show at the time. And, and my dad, they let me go. <laughs> <laughs> so you were a seven, eight-year-old kid going on uh, going on your first hunting trip. Uh, how did that How did that turn out? So the first hunting trip was in. I don't know if you've ever hunted in Texas, but we have in like central Texas and the hill country where I grew up. Deer population is insane, and it seemed like you could literally have a feeder anywhere, or you could be anywhere, and you would be seeing deer. And so, whenever we went out to this guy's house basically he had a um he had an old uh light caliber gun and so we went out on his back porch and he was drinking coffee and he he knew that there was deer that would travel this kind of like creek bed every morning and every evening and so i remember on that trip that's that was whenever i took my first doe was on that trip and we were sitting on his back porch and there were just deer galore everywhere and i was seven or eight years old. And man, that, I remember that trip having such a profound impact on me because being so young, you can go one or two ways. You can go the route of having not care about life yet because you're so young and you're just doing what you see your generations before you doing, or maybe you've played video games and you've shot a gun at something or, you know, like I didn't play active shooter games or anything like that, but I played a lot of like Cabela's big game hunter. So, um, I was always shooting animals, like even virtually. And so, (laughs) but that you could, you could either go one or two ways. You go the route of, Oh, I just shot something or the route I took and the route that I still take today is I, I killed something. And it's, it's not with a light heart that I do that. So I remember that trip. I was extremely happy, but I was extremely sad at the same time um, because of what just happened. So uh, now you've, uh, you've gone from this, this little kid. Did you, continue, uh, did you continue hunting through your school years, through high school, through college, all of that? I, yeah, so I started hunting at that young age and I harvested my first animal. The next year I bumped up, like it was weird. I shot it with like a 223 or a 22, 230 or something like that. And there's a lot of, there was a lot of twos in there. Um, it was not a 22 <laughs> because you, that's, that's a rim fire and you can't, you can't shoot a deer with that. But, um, and then the next year, like my dad graduated me to a seven mag. So I went from a lower caliber gun that had no kick to a seven mag. Um, and it was kind of like, 
All right, man. I think you're ready. Just use this one. Um, so putting yeah, you through the back question. wall of the deer blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily we had practiced long beforehand and I was, I was comfortable with the gun. That's, that's the thing. You can shoot the biggest caliber gun or you can shoot the smallest caliber gun. I, I, I choose to shoot what I'm comfortable with and what I'm confident in. Uh, but to answer your question, not going off too, too much of a tangent there, but yeah, I hunted the rest of my, um, middle school, elementary, high school, and um, a little bit into college. College is where I got the bug to go fish because uh, I went down to the coast here in Texas uh, to a school called Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi. And uh, yeah, so that's that's that. <laughs> so now what took you uh, from hunting and fishing through college and all of that? Uh, what, uh, what prompted Hunting Product Guru? What uh, got you where you're at now? Um, one word cars got me into, uh, hunting product here. I was working with a guy, a friend of mine, a real close friend of mine. Still, we're still really good friends. He, um, I worked with him and he was, he would get new cars to drive every week. And I was, I would just ask him, I was like, man, how do you do that? Like I was, I liked the cars that he would get cause he'd get Corvettes and you know, all the fancy stuff. But then he'd also get like the family sedan or the vans. I wasn't as interested in those. But what I was really interested in was the trucks that he was getting. And uh, we were having coffee one time, and I said, man, I just want to ask, like, is there any way that I could help you? And he, he looked at me, and he said, it's a lot of work to review cars. He's like, think about it and get back to me. And I did the, next, the very next day. Hey, how can I help? Because I was interested, you know? Like, I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm, I'm very driven. I'm not a... Uh, sit back and wait for it kind of guy like I will pursue whatever needs to be pursued um, without a doubt like you know <clears throat> within reason you know so we were talking and he said uh, he's like we'll get you started man he's like what you got to do is write five stories about cars and I uh, wrote the five stories he loved them uh, he published them on his online publication and then from there I started getting cars and uh Believe it or not, my dad saw the trans, you know, like in life, you, you find people that are doing what you want to do and you, you successfully and you figure out how to um, replicate that for your, for your business or for your arena. So cars and hunting were completely different. And my dad called me one time and he said, hey, you, we have a lot of hunting product. You have a lot of hunting product. I do. We've just got tons of it that we've accumulated over the years. You want to start a reviewing online forum for products, uh, basically how you do for the cars and trucks. And I said, yeah, the only way I'm going to do it is I'm going to be completely honest, just like I was with the cars, like the cars, I would complain about freaking cup holders because <laughs> it, it was annoying. Like you, you'd be driving, um, you know, going to have a drink and the cup holder, you know, slip would just always come out or, you know, you'd go to put a normal size cup that anybody would ever get and the cup holder would be like three times the size and you just have a drink sloshing. Um, and so point is like, I, I didn't hold anything back on the reviews because you really don't have anything to lose. You're not going to keep this car. You're not going to go buy it. So I told my dad that I want to make sure that I, if we're going to replicate that for the hunting industry, that's what needs to happen in my book because we've, we had an immediate conversation. Um, we both filmed for outdoor television shows and we both had people where we did, um, we would do commercial shoots about a product that was sponsoring the the show 
and they wouldn't even believe in the product. And so they were just basically collecting a paycheck. And I told my dad that I don't, I'm not going to get into that. Like if, if, if that starts to happen, I'm out. And my dad was like, all right, he's like, let's do it. So, um, in 2014, I went live in, um, it was the, the end of November or the beginning of December with huntingproduct.guru. So I designed everything. I did the website by myself. I did all the graphics. I did all the social media stuff. Like I did, I did and still do everything. <laughs> so that's how it, that's how it started. I know it's probably like a longer, um, explanation than just like, Oh, we did this, this, and this, but I think it's cool that this, you know, in a um, in a world where so many people are doing so many things, there's there's opportunities to learn from every industry, um, and learning from the car industry to replicate that into the hunting world has served me uh, in the hunting community. I think very well because honesty is just the way to go. Well, you know, and it's uh, it's a good story to hear because I think a lot of people, you know, new to hunting or or even that have been hunting a while and kind of want to take that next step and be like, I want, I want to maybe start developing something that can turn into a revenue stream to where I can hunt professionally or where I can be involved in this industry professionally and not just have it be like a, you know, something I do a few weekends out of the year while I have to, you know, struggle through the day job. I, so I definitely think those stories are are super valuable uh, to new hunters and and just even folks that are are kind of figuring out what they want their place in the hunting industry to be. So yeah, I mean you can you can look at hunting shows and you can look online. You can go surf through social media channels galore, and you will find people that um, that really hunt all the time, and then you'll find people who say they really hunt all the time. And there's a big difference. I've never been one to lead anybody on like, hey, I hunt every weekend because the fact of the matter is if I hunted every weekend, I wouldn't be married or have kids. <laughs> or if I hunted seven, you know, 15 days in a row, I wouldn't be married. Like it just, you know, I, I respect my wife and she respects my passions. Uh, but I also know that um, my family needs my time too. No, and that's really good of you. And, you know, it, I think that's, with anything in life, it's it's all about learning one where your priorities are, and then two how to balance all of those priorities with your passions and things like that. Just with anything you do, and I think that's a, a lifelong learning process. I don't think anyone has it perfect, but some people do it better than others, I guess. Yeah, I would I would say that's probably about that's probably about right. Is some people do it better than others because they've had time harnessing that skill longer than others, you know. Being a, being socially aware of your surroundings and you know your family and your priorities and your passions, being aware of it's the first step. It's just taking action and making sure that you're keeping true to all of it. Um, and that's where Hunting Product Guru was. And my wife, she would in the beginning of Hunting Product Guru, and I did a few solo episodes of my podcast, and I told people you know the truth about Hunting Product Guru didn't always have my wife's support. She was, because in the beginning, it was like anytime I had a free moment, I was always working on hunting product gear, getting the website up, making changes. You know, when you push something live, you realize, oh, no, I, ah, dang it. I uh, should have thought about this, should have thought about that. 
Um, and then, you know, doing all that plus the reviews, like, dude, it's, it was insane. And my wife was not, she wasn't seeing a whole lot of support from my dad at the time. And so that's kind of really what drove her, um, away from the supporting side of hunting product guru early on. So I just stayed persistent. I knew that this was my dream and my passion and, um, you know, nobody does the work better than you when you want it done and you want it as good as it can be. So I had to take that opportunity, um, those early years just to, it was a struggle. It was a struggle for, for me and my family, but we, we made it through it. And I believe, uh, we're still going to face adversity throughout this journey, but it's going to be so worth it whenever I can have something I built for my son and he can come up through the ranks learning exactly like I did to do whatever he wants to do. Showing my son that it's possible is showing my kids that it's possible. Well, you know, and I think there's there's nothing more exciting than being able to, or, and and definitely probably scarier either, but than really being able to work for yourself and and know that, you know, you you built it from the ground up and you, uh, you know, you're not, you're not working to make someone else money. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, I, I do that. And I, I personally, I, I love my, I love the day job. Um, I work for some great folks, but, uh, you know, there's just something about knowing that, uh, you're working for yourself that, that makes it so much more worth it. it well, I mean, you know, just to be clear, I, I don't work for myself yet. Um, it's gonna, it's getting there. Uh, but I, the point is, is it's taking, you know, three and a half, four years to get this thing going mm-hmm. in the right direction. And it's been many, 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 many years before that to gain the, um, the knowledge of reviews and the knowledge of what I had to do to connect to people that, um, that led it to here. So, I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with working for somebody else if that's what you're, I mean, whatever you're passionate about, if you're passionate at your day job, there's still time to really, um, push forward and be the best you can be in that, in that position. You know, like I listen to, I listen to a lot of podcasts, like I listen to a few hunting podcasts, but I listen to a lot more, um, podcasts like, uh, the MFCEO project and Andy Frisella is very big on, you know, you are the CEO of your own life. So when somebody looks at you and, and they're, they're getting to know you, what kind of CEO are they going to see of you? And, and that, that to me is like, whenever I've connected those dots, like a few, a few months ago, I, I, I immediately started changing my tune to like, I am the CEO of my own life. And guess what? There's a lot of stuff about my own life that needs to change. And, uh, yeah, so I don't work for myself yet, but, and, and there's nothing wrong with working for someone else because I, I still like majority, majority of the aspects of my job. I do. And my commute is over an hour. So Ooh, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I've been doing that for five years. So it's definitely, I get, basically I support that. Hey, if that's what your passion is and that's what you like to do. And if, if, if it serves you well to, to do those things, then go for it. I'm just, I've reached a point in my life where it's taken me a while to realize that I have the potential to do more. And that's where, you know, my life has got to, uh, amount to something and it's not going to amount to something. If I sit there and think about what it could be, what it would be if I did this, if I did that. So I'm just, I'm taking the time, more time now to, to focus on those things. 
So you mentioned, uh, as we were talking a little bit about the podcast, you just started that up this year. How's that been going? Uh, rough. (laughs) (laughs) I had a plan, uh, I had a plan in the beginning to do a podcast release every Tuesday. Uh, so I was going to be one of the ones that like, you could count on me every Tuesday. Um, and when you first start anything, it's going well. It's like, people are excited about it. You're excited about it. Um, then like life happens. I got, you know, we had our first daughter, um, in August of 2016, and she turned a year old in August, so July, August, I mean, it was just like a nightmare, you know. She went from sleeping quite a bit to not sleeping hardly at all. Um, podcast guests, I mean, you and I have had a little bit of trouble connecting, getting our schedules lined up. I mean, trying to get somebody, one or two people lined up every week is just extremely difficult. I was not very confident in a lot of my, you know, radio talk or, you know, whatever. Like, I just, you know... you. There has to be a, an amount of self-confidence that comes with being able to talk with somebody that's not there. And um, so it's a struggle, but I've always embraced those struggles. And I've always been one to realize the growth that can happen because of it and the, the being uncomfortable. So when I started it, the Hunting Product Guru podcast in July, I had the thought to do the podcast long before that. And uh, my buddy Jason from Bow Hunter Box Club, he was the he's the reason the podcast is alive. Like he is the sole reason because he said he said merely two words whenever I told him that I wasn't that I wanted to do a podcast that I but you know I may not but I really want to. And he said um, he just said why not? Like he literally was like why not? And I was like well because I don't know if anybody getting it. He's like who cares? Why not? If the podcast helps one person, I don't see the point point in not doing it like you've got to you've got to you know push yourself and you know work hard and all that stuff and I was like very I was taken back by that because we hadn't known each other that long and so the podcast got started and it's you know it's going as good as as it can go during a full work schedule the hunting season um you know hunting product guru my media production business like I I get people all the time saying like you do a lot and I'm like, yeah, but I want to do more. <laughs> Don't know if that's healthy or not. No, I'm with you, man. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's like a drug almost, uh, I mean, like we talked about earlier, it's just, you know, when you're passionate about something and, and you see the ways you can expand it. And, and I mean, that's been my struggle. I mean, this whole month is I, I, keep taking on i mean i this is probably one of the second busiest time of my year with the day job like just the the piling on the work i have to do and i keep finding myself taking on more side you know i i refer to it as the side hustle um i keep taking on more projects to do with that and the podcast and the website and uh i'm i'm trying to get the blog a little bit more active than it has been. That that was how I originally started all of this was I was like, you know, I should, it was this whole thing, you know, people would come to me, my friends, they'd see me posting about like shooting my bow or whatever on, on, or going to line dancing or whatever, you know, listening to country music, whatever it may have been. And they're like, I didn't know people did that in LA. Where do you do that? And uh, so I'm like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll start. I had some friends that had just started like a, an Instagram and a blog. And 
I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, I've never really had anything interesting to talk about before. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just share kind of what I do. So, and like events and places people can go. And I think I was like, you know, I'm going to do two blogs a month. That's super easy to do. I can super handle that. I think in the first year I maybe did four total. And <laughs> so that's, Oh man, it was, it was bad. Um, but so then I, I kind of, you know, I started getting more into podcasts and, uh, one that I listened to, uh, completely unrelated to hunting. It got me, uh, he was really good about talking about how he, how he started and encouraging his listeners to, you know, start their own. And they, you know, there's this private Facebook group and we would, you know, exchange tips. And I was kind of part of that. And I'm like, you know, I could do this. Like it, it takes me a while to get motivated to write. I can write well when I'm motivated to, but that motivation doesn't come very well. Talking, on the other hand, I can call someone up and just BS for hours with no problem. Um, that conversation. Exactly. Uh, it took a while to get used to hearing my own voice, and I I hated I hated that for like probably the first ten episodes. Yeah, I was just like I wouldn't even I wouldn't even listen to him past like just making sure past like the initial edit I'd, I'd give it like one listen through but i i just could not listen to my podcast at all because i'm like oh gosh that dude that's interviewing this guy sounds like an idiot <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> the first the first uh comment i got from jason the one who encouraged me to do the podcast he said you got a face for radio <laughs> <laughs> i was i was not, oh, like man. Uh, i had never heard that comment before and then i had to look it up and i was like god what a <laughs> But he's just kidding. I mean, he's he's one of those people that, like, I do a lot of I do a lot of work for Bowhunter Box Club, and 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 it's you know, it's grown into do doing quite a bit now. And and anytime I get together to to film a promo or you know get something or talk to talk to him about a product, talk to him about something serious, like it's it's not happening. Like, <laughs> some sort of funny wisecrack joke every time. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a definitely a big fan of, of Jason's. I've had, I had him on, uh, let's see which one, episode 29. Um, he's a, he's a good guy. We had a lot of fun talking about Boner Box Club. And, you know, that was another good episode just talking about starting, you know, wanting to start something and, and become independent and, uh, and work for yourself, uh, in something related to the hunting industry. So that was, uh, Jason's a, a really good guy. Probably shouldn't be saying this on, on the air. He'll get a big head or something, but you know, <laughs> Jason, Jason, you're listening. This is just, this is just uh free publicity for you. That's there it. We go. <laughs> don't get, a, don't get a big head, dude. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a, he's a really cool dude. Um, whenever he told me he was on your podcast, I had heard of your podcast before. Um, I hadn't listened to any episodes yet. And then I listened to his and then I was like, okay, cool. I'll subscribe <laughs> because it was a, the biggest thing, man, about podcasts that I wanted to make sure and, and stay true to, to was how do I convey or talk honestly with someone that I don't know I'm talking to. And then it just is like, just talk, just, just be honest, you know, with your guest, be honest with yourself um, you know, getting, going back to the, I wanted to publish every Tuesday thing. I'm getting better about that. It is definitely that though, coming down to the wire of Monday night. Oh yeah. Sometimes like, 
getting the episode prepared to publish on Tuesday morning. But nonetheless, um, it's led to a few solo podcasts that aren't quite an hour long. Um, and I've honestly had a lot of people respond well to those because they – I thought they were kind of goofy. I, I was like, man, this feels weird. I'm talking to myself. I'm I Literally, I'm like – I'm staring off in the distance and I'm doing the hand motions and – like I've got, I'm not, I don't have any video interaction. So like, I'm, I don't even, can't even see myself <laughs> talk. And I was like, man, there's, there's a, this is awkward. And I had so many people. Um, I did two of them back to back and, uh, because it's hard to get a guest schedule at that time, got, did two of them back to back. And I had, um, a few, quite a few people, more than a handful say like, this was really inspiring. Like you, you inspired me to get off my ass and go do something, or you inspired me to really think about, you know, a certain topic. One of them was high fence hunting and good Lord, did I get a lot of flack for that? And it, it, it spurred a lot of great discussion, but a lot of, um, you know, eyes opening on both sides, right? Like I've been hunting in Texas my whole life. I've hunted on ranches, low fence and high fence. I've hunted public land. I've hunted private land. So like, I, I know the majority of most of it. I don't know backcountry hunting, public land hunt yet, but like I said, that's going to happen next year. Yeah, one of these one of these days, I'll be brave enough to take on a a solo podcast and uh, and put put something out there that's just just me uh, doing a little bit of exposition on something. But we'll see. Maybe uh <laughs> maybe after a a successful season or something like that, when I have uh, when I when I feel like I I might have something uh, something to say, but. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? One of these days, I just might get fed up with something enough to where I, I'll flip on the recorder and go on a rant and and see how much trouble I can get in. That's that's what that's what started it was seeing so many people say um, they couldn't do something or they wish they had time to do this and wish they had time to do that. Meanwhile, in the same breath, they're telling me like you've got you do so much, and I'm like, yeah, but, I mean, I I get six hours of sleep maybe. And whenever I finally do get to sleep, I have one crying kid generally over something, uh, whether they're sick or just one. Like my son got up middle of the night last night. Our daughter finally slept through the night, and my son decided to get up in the middle of the night because he had a Charlie horse. And I was like, <laughs> oh, bro, I know those hurt, but can you please go back to bed? <laughs> oh, oh, man. Sorry, I don't – this is what happens on whenever I interview guests is like, we'll go on like a, a wild tangent talk like this. So I don't know where, where you're at, um, but sorry to kind of deter uh, there. <laughs> no, not, not all, yeah. I'll get us back on topic eventually, but yeah. Yeah. No. So, I mean, so speaking of that, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've focused a little bit more. I've done, I've done a little bit of whitetail hunting, you know, that was kind of my first foray into hunting before I ever knew backcountry Western hunting, if you will, existed. Um, you know, I had a, uh, an ex, uh, whose, whose grandparents had several hundred acres out in Mississippi and just more, more tree stands out there than I could count. And most of them were probably about 20 years older than I was. And, uh, you know, I mean the kind of, the kind of tree stands old, old metal ones that are 90% grown into the tree. Oh yeah. Um, you know, those kind of things. And, uh, you know, so I, I sat out there with them and, uh, over Thanksgiving one year and, but 
you know, I didn't really, I didn't really do do much. I think I saw a, a total of of four deer the entire entire time. One was a gorgeous buck, but it was probably about fifteen twenty yards outside my max range, let alone my effective range. So that was, you know, that was my first foray into hunting. But really, I focused most of my my study and research on backcountry hunting and especially elk. But come this. February, I think, is uh, is is what I've been looking at. Um, I uh, I've been doing some work for uh, for a friend in the hunting industry. I've been uh, helping her out redesigning her website and and doing some work. And in exchange, uh, I'm coming out to Texas probably this February, and we're gonna. Uh, it sounds like we're gonna do a little bit of a little bit of hog hunting because you guys get to do all the fun stuff we can't do out here in California. <laughs> and uh have guns <laughs> and uh i think uh i think they might uh also put me on a few deer so you know i figured maybe we can talk a little bit about that since like i said i've been focused mostly on on the back country and i've i've got this hunt coming up and you know i mean i've i've got some some stuff i know what to bring and but might be good to to look to the hunting product guru to to figure out exactly, uh, yeah, kind of what would be good, to, what would be good to prep for, and what would be good to bring along with me. So, uh, yeah, I can, yeah, I'll kind of go through, you know, some of my favorite products that I that I use, and, and kind of what I always keep in my pack, um, and what I put first in there whenever I'm repacking or just checking everything. Because primarily, I do whitetail hunting here in Texas, and I like I said, I do private land hunts, and I do public. You know, land hunt sometimes, uh, high fence and low fence. Well, the very first thing I always keep in my bag, like religiously, is water. Like I will keep um, an eight ounce deal of water as a backup. Um, you know, whether it be like uh, you know washing your hands after you get done cleaning a deer, um, and then I also have uh, a water bladder that goes in my pack, and you know. It's really convenient. I it's it's a backcountry style type setup, but it's not backcountry. So like backcountry, you have you'll have tents, you'll have food, you'll have you know sh- you know all sorts of shelter. You'll have a water filtration system. In Texas, I just don't need that a whole lot. I don't I don't have a whole lot of need for that. Um, so I don't really focus primarily on like packing that stuff. But what I do is being a product guy, and like I love product. I love testing product. Love trying it out my pack is pretty full <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost all the time. So man, I keep water in there. Um, I keep a, um, a, for safety reasons, I keep a blaze orange vest in my pack all the time because there is, there's really no need to not be safe wherever you're at. So if I'm on, if I happen to go somewhere where there's public land, I don't have to worry about, Oh, is my orange, you know, somewhere at the house in the studio or in the garage or, you know, I don't have to worry about that. It's just always in there, um, along with the orange hat that's probably smushed in the bottom of this thing. But I'm not out there to look pretty. I'm out there to be safe. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. 
Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So actually, really quick, if you don't mind me taking it back to the, the water bladder, what, uh, what bladder do you use? Because I've used a few different ones, and I've, I've tried to use, you know, I've used water bladders that are solely for just storing the water. I've used ones that have some good, uh, a, you know, like a, a little hose kit with them. Uh, I recently, you know, when I was at uh, the International Sportsman's Expo in Salt Lake, um, you know, I was looking at different products. I picked up, uh, I think it was a, a Geiger rig, uh, one of those, you know, ones you pump up and, and you can oh, actually yeah, yeah. spray. And I noticed that worked great as long as I didn't have a filter on it. The second I put a filter on it, I mean, it just slowed down to a trickle and it was... yeah. Not at all what it what it was promised, and so I'm just curious, kind of what you use, what you might recommend uh, as far as water bladders. So water bladders. Whenever I got this pack from, um, I got this pack, and, and they're no packs cheap. Um, you know, no packs inexpensive. It's just what what are you willing to fork out for the quality? And just for a lot of my whitetail rig, like I have, um, I have Alps outdoor packs. And that one that I'll be taking to Montana next year. But so I have high dollar packs, but this is my like whitetail rig and I'll take it almost everywhere I go. The very first time I got this, my water bladder split open and it like I had water everywhere and I was just super pissed, you know. And so I went I literally went to Walmart on a trip and I was like, I'm just going to try this water bladder because my other one ripped open I want, I need water out here because I was going for an all day hike. It was a private ranch, but I was going all day. I wasn't coming back. And dude, this outdoor products, um, I believe it's a two liter. Yeah. Two liter water pouch has been extremely awesome. Like it's just buy outdoor products. I mean, that's, that's the name of the, the brand. And it it holds two liters of water. It's got a nice hose. It's got it came with like a replacement like bite mark or a, a bite tube, so water doesn't fling everywhere um, and, and it doesn't like just drip out all the time. Um, man, it's just it's awesome. So I used it on that like all day hike trip around the ranch um, in search for whitetail and hog. Uh, where I saw I saw three does, but I never got to like I was hunting with my bow too, so it was all spot and stock style and and i just can't say enough things about having water like you gotta gotta stay hydrated anywhere so i remember from my time in the tree stand the one thing you know this was around this was november so obviously you know we're not talking like middle of the summer in mississippi or anything but i i remember just freezing my off in that tree stand like I did not realize what cold was until you're sitting sitting in a metal tree stand. Like, and I had some decent, I brought like some decently warm gear with me and base layers and everything, but there's just something about sitting in that metal tree stand that sucks all of the joy and, and warmth from your entire life straight out through your butt, basically (laughs) your button back. Um, what uh as far as you know keeping warm in the tree stand what would you uh what would you recommend uh definitely get a good base layer um and i would recommend getting some uh getting like a wool setup 
because um, that wool is going to keep you extremely, extremely, you know, significantly warm, warmer than than most um, other layers. The the biggest thing that I can that I'll that I'll say about this is, you know, your your body warmth and your temperature. Um, it comes out of your extremities or you know escapes the extremities, so your your head and your feet and your hands. Um, and I always start with um, the boots. So get a good set of you know thick, heavy duty boots for sitting. Like if you're doing primarily sitting, like you'll want a good um, like thermal type boot. Like you're you're gonna want to make sure that your feet, whenever they're sitting there, completely still are warm. And if they're not warm, that is that is where majority of your heat is going to escape, and you'll 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 get extremely cold really quick. Um, the next thing is gloves. Like a lot of us now, um, we'll sit there in the tree stand when we're not seeing anything, you know, playing on our phones, thinking like, oh, we'll take off our glove and play on our phone. But um, that's not a good idea. You're, you're you don't want to do that. So there's there's a couple types of gloves that I recommend. Like whenever I hunted in Nebraska. It was extremely cold and windy uh, for a couple days, like snowing. I've, I'd never hunted in snow until then. And I usually get those gloves, um, the full five-finger gloves, but then also the gloves that have the, the like just the straight-up pouch that turns it into a mitt. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it is – when you're out and about, like like the hunting style that we were doing there, like we were hunting 600-acre, you know, sections at a time that we had permission to hunt – some of it was public, some of it was private, but it was all low fence. And so like whenever it was time to come in, I would call my dad and be like, all right, man, I'm ready to be picked up. Or, you know, we, we'd call, you know, Chuck would call us and like, Hey, I, I got a deer down. I need some help getting it. Um, so being able to have access to your phone was, was significant in that moment. But, um, I wouldn't put that over your body's warmth. <laughs> so gloves, uh, you know, good underlayer, um, some some wool is going to serve you extremely well. Your hat choice, believe it or not, um, a lot of people don't pay attention to their hat choice when they're going hunting. Like this hat is a breathe back hat, so it breathes really well. But then I also have some. I don't have one out here um, usually, which is weird because I usually have hats everywhere. I have tons of hats. Like I am not <laughs> short on hats here. I had to make. People started sending me a lot of hats, so I have like I had to make a special hat rack in my closet just for. I probably have thirty or forty hats. Oh, I know the I know the pain. I keep getting rid of them, but I somehow I try and get rid of hats, and I still end up with more than I started with. They come back. They don't, mm-hmm. Like like uh, they're they're the opposite of dis- disappearing socks. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I thought that I thought your point about the the boot was interesting because you know it's. You know, from my perspective, most of the boots I own, they're they're specifically geared towards packing out huge amounts of weight, you know, over long distances, you know, rough terrain, things like that. They're a hiking boot. They're built for support. Uh, you know, some of the boots are, are definitely built for, you know, they're waterproof and built a little more for warmth, but it's not, you know, it's it's not necessarily something I would have thought of. I didn't actually think about that to where, you know, okay, I, I, if, if I'm sitting in a tree stand or if I'm, you know, more on, on private land where I'm not, I'm not necessarily hiking, 
you know, 10, 12 miles a day, I don't need to focus on a boot that's, that's geared towards that focusing on one that's just solely or more solely focused on, on warmth and, and keeping that body heat in is, is probably an important thing. Um, that was one of the first lessons that I remember learning from my dad, um, was pay attention to your body temperature because how long you can sit or be out hunting depends on how comfortable or uncomfortable you are. Um, because I mean, we're, we have grown into, um, like imagine, you know, a few hundred years ago, like, could we live back then? Like, could I right now, like last night it was, it was kind of cold in our house. So I walked 15 feet, turned the heater on and <laughs> you know, like they didn't, they didn't really have that luxury a few hundred years ago of just being able to go flip a switch, and turn, turn blast heat in your house. So my dad, um, you know, I attribute me learning my body temperature awareness uh from him and and not to you know you don't want frostbite on your toes or i mean you will you will hate the walk out i promise <laughs> <laughs> um are there any uh you know once again because like i know i know all the brands i know all the boots when it comes to uh comes to hiking and packing weight and i've i've you know i've done an episode with crispy on that and everything but uh what uh, are there any any particular boots you might recommend or and obviously you know boot fits a a personal thing but yeah the one that i use so it, people laugh at me for this um but the majority of the wear that i have here in texas because it is generally almost always warm here or a temperature that i can i mean i can probably be outside for multiple hours at 60 degrees 50 degrees here uh in shorts because I love that weather. <laughs> um, sitting is a different story in it, but the point is like, I don't in, in that temperature or that particular climate, you know, general area in the fifties, I don't, I, I pay attention to the boot I wear, but I generally, um, my favorite boot is, um, a Justin snake boot, a snake proof boot. Like I just, they're my favorite boot. I, I wear them constantly. Uh, they're worn in very well. Um, and I yet I generally whenever it's warm I hunt in those because I have actually I've stepped on water moccasins I've stepped on rattlesnakes me and snakes that I don't know like if we have some sort of destiny together but it's it I I don't like snakes and so I always generally wear those boots uh, but my go-to boot for um, any other time is definitely going to be my muck boots I have a pair of muck boots that are I believe they're five hundred. Uh, Gran is is it grains or grams or whatever of insulation grams I believe, um yeah that's see I don't know everything about everything um and and that's that's one thing that people mistake me for is like oh you're the hunting product guru you know everything about everything you're a guru <laughs> no 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 none of us know everything about everything but yeah so that's that's generally the my go to boot is that one so now uh when you're going to these stands you know uh especially with with whitetail i know uh sense an important thing as well um and you know maybe getting into a couple things you know you're wearing you're wearing your cirrus hat so uh maybe talking a little bit about uh playing the wind checking the wind uh get me back on topic here like <laughs> um yeah so paying attention to your scent and the wind is going to be your best friend and i think 
I personally, I love camo. I love camo companies. I love what they're doing. Um, but to be honest with you, um, some of some of the best and biggest deer I've seen killed or um, one of my favorite things to look at is old pictures, old hunting pictures. I just, I love it. But you won't find those guys wearing anything but plaid and jeans or a solid, you know, shirt and jeans. Um, so paying attention to wind, whether they paid attention then to the wind or not, I, I don't know. Um, but I guarantee you, like more times than not, I've been downwind of an animal and they've they haven't seen me they haven't heard me and i've stood in the middle of i've stood wide open i was turkey hunting one year um not this last year but the year before and i literally me and a buddy of mine stood in the middle of a field downwind of about a 200 pound hog or more and never saw us i mean wide open so camo is important but that wind is definitely going to be um your number one ally or your enemy and paying attention to it is key. So what I use, um, I use, I use, obviously I'm a product guy, so I have all sorts of product for, for scent control and scent killing. Um, I've found that uh, nose jammer, I use that for like taking a shower beforehand. Um, and then I use the scent killer wash detergent, you know, for the washer to wash the clothes. And then, yeah, I use my Cirrus wind indicator to check the wind. Um, and what's cool about that product is like no i've had it for almost two seasons and i've never charged the thing so like i've almost had this thing out of the box for almost two years and i've never charged it once i've never changed the i've changed the cartridge um which even says more about the battery i've changed the cartridge to test out the other scents that they have they have an earth scent a pine scent like an acorn scent or something like that and i've checked those cartridges just to see what they smell like and I put the cloud um, formula back in there and that battery's still rocking almost two seasons. So uh, the great thing about that wind checker that a lot of powder doesn't do is um, it'll either rise or fall and you'll get to, you'll get to check your thermals that way. So, you know, you could have a scent um, or your, your scent could be carrying to the deer, but if you see that it's rising, generally depending on the distance, you're, you're going to be okay. But the moment that starts to fall into the animal's, you know, nasal cavity areas, you're you're in trouble. <laughs> Which is why they, you know, that's why it's very key pay pay attention to the wind. Definitely, I I am a I am a big fan. That was a total setup because I am a big fan of <laughs> of Sirius and the wind indicator. Um, you know, I've uh, I've actually talked with a few guys, and and the topic has come up, and. Um, or I've seen it on, you know, in different Facebook groups and, you know, everyone, everyone's complaining. It's, oh, I didn't bring enough or, oh, I left my bottle or, oh, that, you know, I, I got some moisture in there and it, you know, it clumped everything up or <clears throat> this, that, or the other, or gosh, oh, I, I accidentally, I, I went to refill it and had to get up really fast and ended up spilling it all over myself. I mean, I've, I've never heard of a product that people have more trouble with, it seems like, than those uh, little squeeze bottles of, of it's trivial. It's like, yeah, a lot of people, they don't, you know, when you tell them about that thing, it's different. And a lot of times people are resistant to different because it leads to change. And a lot of people don't like change. They've been doing it this way for 25 years. Why change now? You know, like it's been working for 25 years and it's like, yeah, we have a lot of different technologies now that, than we did 25 years ago. So let's use it. Like, let's take advantage of it. And so when that 
I bought the first unit um, because I was that excited to get to try this like innovative product. Cause I was like, dude, like, like they're playing on the whole vape thing. And that vape thing was big, you know, a few years ago. And I was like, man, how is this going to work? Am I going to want to carry this in my pocket or what? You know, how, you know, how long will it last? And, uh, I've been extremely blown away by that company, Jim, um, Jim Angot. I don't know him. Uh, like I said, I told you earlier, I don't know him personally, but we do talk on the phone. Uh, so I know him as far as like on the phone personally, not like face to face, but that guy is just, he's a hardworking guy, came up with an idea and he's pursuing the American dream, you know, and you can't, there's, there's, there's something to be said about that. So supporting, you know, paying $40 for a wind checker to me, whenever you put it in a different light, like, Hey, this is somebody's dream and passion. And guess what? It can work for you. There's two causes there that you're supporting. You're, you're getting to try something new, innovative in this industry. And then guess what? You're getting to support somebody, uh, in living their dream. And if you got a problem with that, then I, I just don't know if we can be friends. <laughs> <laughs> No, definitely. I mean, and it's it's a great product. Um, you know, it's just rechargeable via USB. Yep. Uh, so, you know, you're not even carrying extra batteries, anything like that. Um, you know, and with with most people nowadays, you're you're already carrying a pile of battery packs to recharge your GoPros or cameras or your headlamp or you know, whatever your GPS or whatever, whatever it is, you know, it's you can kind of unify that as much as humanly possible. I think it's definitely a, a bonus. And, you know, like you said, it, it lasts forever. You know, you almost never have to recharge them. Those, those yeah. little refills are good for thousands of, it seems like of, of puffs and, um, you know, I've yet to see the, the size of the, uh, the wind checker bottle that would, that, that could match that. Um, you know, that's a good point. Yeah, I would run out of space in my pack if I if I had to equate a a uh, a baby powder type formula for the 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 amount of puffs you get out of the vape. Um, <laughs> serious wind indicator. Well, I think that's you know for for uh, regardless of how you hunt, you know, there's uh, the first thing anyone will tell you is the wind is is your greatest ally or your biggest enemy, and I think with a product like that you're more likely to check the wind more. Uh, you're not afraid of overuse, whatever that may be. Um, so, you know, you know, you're pretty much, uh, this is something you're never going to have to worry about running out of it. You know, um, well, here's, here's something, um, you know, about those, those powder ones when you're, I, like I said, I've not chased elk yet. Um, I have done spot and stalks on whitetail, um, with my bow and I've gotten pretty dang close. The, the biggest thing, uh, the difference that you're going to find with those, um, with the serious wind indicator that um, the other ones don't offer is almost every time you watch somebody pull out that the old style of um, wind checker, what do they do? They create a lot of movement and they shake it up to get that powder to kind of unsettle and then they get the puff on. Like that's serious. You just, you know, I have it, I have it sitting on my neck. So you just pull it up just a little bit and out and then just give it a couple squeezes and it's minimal, minimal movement. And you know, your wind is going to be your biggest thing. But if you're, if you're getting closing the distance, you know, your movement's going to be your next enemy or ally. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. 
Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So now, uh, what else... uh... What else are some some interesting products that uh, I may not know about that uh, you tend to to keep in your pack with you? So I'm very much a um, you brought up batteries and and lights and things like that. I'm very much a safety first kind of guy. Um, I've I've witnessed firsthand a lot of accidents. I've I've heard secondhand of some major tragedies. Um, and so like, I just don't think there's enough to be, there, there can never be enough said about having, you know, being safe and, and safety measures and stuff like that taken. Um, so one of the first things that I, I buy and put on a pack is a compass. Always, always have a compass. Um, generally, um, I get the ones that have, you know, the, the SOS whistle type thing on there, um, or the temperature that you, you know, pay attention to, uh, like I, mine, mine has a whistle, a compass and a thermometer all in one because you can a lot of us, we rely on this, this too much. Um, our phones in, I'm, I'm one of them. So, um, past that I keep, I keep lights in my pack. Um, I, you know, if you're, if you're out and about and you're getting to the point where, you know, you're starting to really lose light and your phone is dead or, you know, the temperature's dropped enough where your phone battery doesn't work for your light anymore. Um, always having light is key. Um, so I, I keep two lights um, in my pack at all time. Um, oh, what else? So here in Texas, I use, let me see here. Here in Texas, there's a, there's a cool product. Um, and I'll talk about it here but I haven't technically reviewed it and I haven't written my post about it. And I kind of, you know, so I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit, but it's a product that is actually on my pack. I have used, um, and I somewhat stand, stand behind. I don't really, there's a lot of, there's a few cons to it as far as like reach and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the bow snatcher. Oh yeah. So generally I keep my bow on my shoulders but there's very few times where I want to have that booger in the back. And so I have that on this pack. Um, and like I said, I've used it before. It's, it's great. It's sometimes hard to reach though. Um, and it could just be the placement on my pack. Um, you know, so full disclosure, um, I would buy it again in a heartbeat. I just think it's one of those products you gotta, you gotta train with, you gotta, you gotta use more often than, than, than I technically get to get to. So it, so I'm I'm familiar with Bow Snatcher, but for for folks that aren't, maybe you want to kind of explain what it is, how it works a little bit. Yeah, so Bow Snatcher is a unit that um, you 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 put it on top of the top of your pack essentially, and um, it's got like a like like a Ninja Star type looking thing uh, that spins, and then you put a um, like a rod attachment between your stabilizer and your bow, so it screws on and it's it's pretty snug and then that rod attachment slips into the bow snatcher um and gravity keeps it from yanking or or tossing out or you know so the the rod goes in between the star um spokes i guess you could say uh and sinks to the bottom so gravity is holding it on and you can pretty much turn you can do you can do like 
don't know, yoga moves, like do like 90 degree um, shifts and that bow is not going to fall off. Um, and generally I don't, I've, I've jumped, I've hiked with it and it's pretty solid. So that's kind of a cool product that, that I keep on my pack at all times. Um, what else? Then I pretty much keep a lot of gadgets and scent stuff, scent balls and, um, like the serious wind indicator. Um, I have a Nikon spotting scope in here that, that is a beast and I'm going to have to switch to some sort of uh, compact vortex soon. Um, that's the, that's the goal anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so I, I do in starting in November, I always attach rattling horns to my pack. So I have a set that I made here. Um, but I also bought a, um, I don't know what they're called, but the, the ones that have handles in the middle, basically, um, they sound pretty good. Um, I've rattled in a few deer with, uh, by rattling before. So, I mean, it's keeping that in November, um, or for Texas anyway, Texas, the rut in November and in early December is just, it's awesome. Or whenever it hits, it's not really, you know, it's generally in November around Thanksgiving. So you mentioned, uh, the rain range finder and the, the spotting scope. Uh-huh. Generally, with with hunting in Texas, I I know maybe a little bit more of spot and stock. How how important are optics when you're bow hunting? It's funny. Um, I've heard people say both that it's not that important because you don't you know you're in bow range. You generally don't need it. I I disagree with that philosophy because um, you don't. It, it sound it sounds simple and trivial, and it's like oh duh. But uh, you know can't tell you how many times people have thought wrong on this part, but you don't know what you can't see. So when you're spotting and stalking in Texas, there are definitely um, some areas where you can see for three or 400 yards at a time. So having a good set of binoculars is going to be, I always keep binos on my, on my chest. I I have a bino harness. um, So I keep that on my chest. Um, And then the rangefinder clips on my pack. So, that's just key. Like knowing your knowing the distance that you've got to close is is crucial. Knowing the distance of your shot is going to be, um, it can make or break a shot. Um, it can wound or kill an animal. Um, so having a good set of optics or any optics and of, of that matter are going to be they're key. You know, once again, you know we have the technology. Why not use it? People put out good binoculars. Vortexes. I don't know. Vort. I have Nikon. Um, spotting scope and a Nikon rangefinder, And that's because it was, you know, pretty much handed down to me. Uh, and I've just used what I have, but man, I can't, I can't, I really can't say enough about Vortex and, you know, their, their customer loyalty and, um, you know, attention to customers is just top notch. Absolutely. And they have that pretty much no questions asked lifetime warranty, right? Yeah. There's a few others in the industry and I've had one, one other company talk to me about, cause I said, you know, Vortex has a, you know, the lifetime warranty and they're like, yeah, that's cool. He's like, so do we, but we don't lead off with that. And for, I, I, in the moment I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Um, but now I start to see it differently. I'm like, okay. Um, the reason they lead off with that, or that's one of their you know things that everyone knows is because things generally, um, when you have to cash in on that lifetime warranty, it's because something happened to your binoculars that was outside or, you know, your optic that was outside of your control. Not because 
you smashed them or threw them down on the ground on purpose. So, you know, I kind of like, I wish I had time to go back to talk to that guy that, that kind of told me that remark because I would just totally tell him like, I get what you're saying and I respect it, but more times than not, you won't see me throw my pair of binoculars. I won't chunk a rangefinder. Um, a spotting scope, I never want to fall off a cliff because generally if a rangefinder falls off, guess what? My phone is on a phone scope attached to it. That means my phone's going too. So uh, it, <laughs> nothing is uh, on purpose. And that was an, so another cool product that I keep talking about phone scope, another cool product that I keep in my pack on my phone anytime I go hunt. Like I have a battery pack on my phone, but I take it off and I actually put my phone scope case on my phone the entire hunt. And then I have the universal, uh, the U1 attachment that goes, it'll go on my spotter. It'll go on my binoculars. So I'm one of those people that like to record everything. <laughs> I love sharing the memory. Um, I don't know. I'm just, that's just another cool product that I, anytime a hunt comes up, phone scope's coming. Awesome. As we're kind of winding down here, um, do you have uh, any, any advice or words of wisdom for, uh, say, a, a new hunter or, or someone like myself that's kind of lives in the middle of the city, didn't grow up with it, and, and wants to get into hunting but may kind of feel intimidated? Um, it, it seems like to me that this is such a deep topic, and it's hard to, to answer in one sentence. So I'll do my best to kind of give you a summary of, of what I believe and what, you know, hopefully your listeners can, can gain something from, um, and maybe, you know, a tidbit that can help you as you, you know, go through the concrete jungle, you know, in search for the next mountain peak. The, um, the biggest thing that I can say, and it's something I've learned, um, throughout my, this 2017, I just actually did a post on this in a private, private group I'm a part of. And the biggest lesson I've learned is, um, 2017 is to focus on bringing value to others. And that, that breeds opportunities like crazy. Um, because I used to be one of those people and anything I did, I was always worried about the bottom dollar and I was worried about what my return was going to be. And the more people I meet like that in the industry or any industry for that matter, I'm turned off by because I have witnessed the extreme opposite of that. Um, case in point, you're doing a website and getting to go hunt in Texas. Um, you're, you, you focus on bringing the value to that person and they're going to bring value back to your life. Um, you know, seizing those opportunities in moments where you feel like, I should probably do this in exchange for money right now. And we should talk about money right now, but don't when you're, when you're wanting something in life, um, whether it be hunting or to pursue another dream or a passion is bring value to others. So you all, we always have something to offer others. We always do. We have, we have opportunities all around us to offer to others, like doing a podcast that, you know, your time, like it's 630 right now. Um, you got up early as hell for this. Um, and you're focused on bringing value to others. Like right now, people don't realize like the, the struggle or the, um, the uphill battle sometimes that you face doing these podcasts to bring value to others. So as, as you're listening to this and you're wanting to pursue your dreams, um, of going hunting or, um, maybe it's, to rise above and, and get a promotion somewhere like 
just always come back to bring values to bring value to others like that. That's been my biggest takeaway of 2017. Like quit focusing on ourselves and start focusing on others and everything will fall into place. It's amazing. Like I can't, I don't know. Like sometimes I'm speechless at just like how profound that is in, in what I'm looking back on in 2017. That's a, that's a super interesting way to think about things. And, you know, I mean, that's, I know I focused a lot on that in my, in my career. Um, and I've tried to, uh, as far as, you know, this podcast and everything, but it's, it's just a very interesting way. I think people, um, I think Instagram, as far as, you know, as it relates to the hunting community and everything, I think social media in general would be a lot different if people looked at everything they posted or, you know, whatever they were doing and said, you know, is this bringing value to something or to someone? Um, or is it, or is this just me a little bit of self aggrandizement or me stroking my own ego? And, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm not saying that I <laughs> am, am good at that at all. I mean, I, I post crap all the time. That's just probably me like patting myself on the back or something. Um, well, there's something to be said about that too, right? Like I, I, you don't want to lose sight of the accomplishments that you've achieved because you've worked hard for them, but it it doesn't come at a cost and it doesn't come without you bringing, but having brought value to other others along the way. I mean, like there's hunting product guru. I mean, in the podcast, it's, it's bringing value to others, but it's because I'm consciously doing it. Um, but I just, it, I don't, I agree with you that there is definitely uh, some down social media the biggest one is, you know, people see, people can only see what they can see. Um, so if you're putting good out there, um, you're doing good. A lot of people, they're going to find, I can post a lot of good stuff, but you're going to find the the real true me and my Instagram stories. You know, I'm at the gym, me and my wife got pissed at each other. Like I'm, you know, my kids are screaming. Oh, my kids love me today. My son hates me because I had to give him a spanking. Like there is a life that I share with people because I want them to know. Um, I, I want to bring the value to them that while you may think I'm some like, I've had a lot of people say, man, you're just so awesome. You're doing this, you're doing that. And I'm just like, I'm just living life. Like I have no, I'm living my life and I want to share it with you because we've, I've been put on this planet. I've found to bring value to others. And whenever you find that that's the goal in life or that sh- technically should be the goal in life when you bring value to others. Um, many more opportunities just un- unfold for you. It's amazing. So, if people wanted to find Hunting Product Guru on the interwebs, uh, where are we <laughs> where are we looking? Yeah, that, uh, so that got pretty tough pretty quick. But um, <laughs> so you can find Hunting Product Guru uh, at my website, huntingproduct.guru. Um, that was another thing about whenever it started was you know the domain .guru being available. Um, uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Both of those are, uh, at hunting product guru. Uh, I also have a Twitter, which is hunting guru because, um, apparently hunting guru was taken and hunting product guru is too long. So H U N T I N G U R U on Twitter. Um, yeah, reach out, connect any way I can help, um, answer questions about bows, guns 
if I don't know something, I'll tell you. Um, if I don't know something, I'll tell you. I'll get research on it and let get back to you. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm I'm a normal human being, as are you. We just we're doing our thing, living in the living the life, and trying to share with others. Absolutely, and I'll make sure to link to. I'll pull up those socials. Make sure to link to them on the show notes page for this episode. It's going to be livingcountryinthecity.com slash 48 for episode 48. Nice. Uh, well, man, thank you so much for hopping on. I appreciate it. Uh, sharing uh, sharing your knowledge with the listeners. Man, I th- can't thank you enough for having me on. Uh, and I think the favor is going to have to be repaid. So we're going to get you on the Hunting Product Guru podcast uh, because there's, there's a lot of interesting factors that I think you could bring uh, back to the hunting community. So uh, or back to the Guru Nation. So. Man, uh, thank you for having me on, and, and you know, more importantly, I want to say thank you for accommodating my early schedule. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. I'm, I'm I'm debating right now if I'm if I'm going to go crawl back into bed after this or try and go do something productive. We'll see. Uh, 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 we'll see. Uh, we'll see how the day goes. But thanks again, man. That's awesome, Sam. You have a good one. All right, y'all, that'll do it for episode 48 of Living Country in the City. Make sure y'all head on over to the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 48. You can find all the links to get your hunting product guru fix there. And also check out a lot of the gear that we talked about on the podcast. Also, make sure you give the Hunting Product Guru podcast a subscribe. Uh, You never know uh, when you may hear a familiar voice uh, on that podcast in the future. So make sure you check that out. But in the meantime, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. What the heck? I think my Alexa is, like, talking in the other room, like... (laughs) I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.